Blast Radius Woods Ball Podcast, Episode 208. This is the podcast where you'll find out more about Woods Ball, recreational paintball, and scenario games. My name is Wayne. Today's featured guest is Kerry Viper Rosenberry. You'll hear about his part in the earliest beginnings of Scenario Paintball games, how he got started as a player, and his work with another legendary Scenario Paintball producer, Wayne Dalek. This is Wayne with Blast Radius Woods Ball Podcast, and I have a very special guest on the line today. After months of trying to get schedules coordinated, I finally have, have been able to get a hold of Carrie Viper Rosenberry. How are you, sir? I'm good, Wayne. How are you doing tonight? It, it's great to finally talk to you. It's uh, it's an honor to uh, to take some of your time. I appreciate you uh, fitting me in your schedule. I know you're a busy guy traveling all over the U.S. as a as a producer of scenario paintball games. So, uh, where how have we caught you? What are you you're in between? What types of events? Uh, right now, I'm working on our last event of the year, which is our annual Twilight Zone event in Houston. Um, we're in. I think it's our 14th year of Twilight Zone now. Wow. So uh, it's usually kind of our, we used to do something spooky or supernatural or (laughs) sci-fi or or something, you know, for the the whole Twilight Zone thing. Uh, It used to be in October, but just for scheduling necessities, we ended up moving it into November. But that's that's our last event of the year every year. That's what I'm working on my way getting towards now. All right. Well, and and to give people more background about what it is you do, your your website says professional scenario productions. So what does that mean? What does that include? What's what's your job? Well, uh, our goal is to try to be as turnkey as possible for fields to uh, to allow them to provide a quality, professionally produced event for their players. Um, it's not to say that, that local fields and, and local games and in-house events and things aren't good quality, but not every field is up to that challenge. Um, they may not have the experience, they may not have the time, or, you know, a number of different things. So we try to make ourselves available where if a field wants to do an event and just has no idea what to do or they don't want to put the effort into it, they don't have the time to do that and run their field, we can come in and we do everything from, uh, you know, helping them lay out the field. If it's a new field, we do consultation on how to lay out their field for scenario so it plays well not only as individual recreational fields on a normal weekend but as an entire facility for a scenario. Right. Um, you know, all the way through helping promote, um, getting players interested, recruiting commanders, Uh, helping recruit refs if they need experienced refs all the way up to, you know, just before the game where we've we've designed a a theme, we've designed a a rule format, a rule set for it, any kind of special things. Um, Then we we show up early, we we get everything set up on the field. 
Uh, usually bring a head ref who's experienced a scenario that my head ref currently, uh, John Crash Dickinson, has played my events since uh, like two or uh, 1997, I think. And, uh, you know, so he's really familiar with me and my events. He's familiar with scenarios, familiar with paintball. He comes in, he'll oversee the refs, he'll divide the field up into zones and, and handle all of those things. We run the game, you know, all the way through and uh, do the awards at the end and and pretty much as much as we can do. Now, some fields want to be more involved. Sure. Uh, you know, so the, if they want to be involved, of course, there's plenty of room. We're happy to have their involvement. Um, but it goes everything from, you know, all of us working together to put the event together all the way to I've had some fields where the field owners have chosen that weekend to take the family and go somewhere on a vacation. We've had families leave the country while we ran the event because they were comfortable knowing we could take care of everything. Wow. That's excellent. So, yeah, that... Tell us about um, how you started into the, this end of the business, Carrie. How did you get from to, from being a player to being a producer of games like this? Well, it a uh, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, <laughs> back in the late 80s, there was a team called Marion's Raiders in Marion County, Florida, which is where Ocala is. Right. And the field was called Survival Zone. And I bought a paintball gun from, back. we called them guns back then, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, I bought a couple of paintball pistols from a, a friend of mine who had bought them on a lark, wasn't doing anything with them, and me and a buddy ran across the street into the woods and just started chasing each other around with these paintball pistols. And it was fun, but we said, man, with a bunch of people, this would be awesome. Right. So started making some phone calls and come to find out this at the time I lived in Crystal River. I had actually grew up in Ocala and moved to the west coast of Florida. So uh, I called around and lo and behold, the closest place to do it was Ocala. So I went to Ocala and we played our first organized game with uh, Marion's Raiders at a field called Survival Zone in Ocala. Hmm. And... I got invited on the team shortly after, and back then it was 15-man teams, and they had an A team, a B team, and like half a dozen alternates. Wow. So you're talking, you know, almost 40 people. Right. And uh, we were looking at ways to raise money to go play tournaments, because even back then it was still, you know, it's expensive to play tournaments. Back then it was a quarter of a ball just to shoot a shot. (laughs) Right. So... You know, how can we come up with some money? And you could use radios and things because you played on a lot of acreage. So how can we buy some more gear and help pay for our paint? And there were a lot of uh, uh, tabletop gamers that played uh, Axis and Allies and things like that. And sure. D&Ers and just all a large assortment of creative minds. And... The first thing we came up with was a, a role-playing kind of a game with with more to the objective than just capture the flag or shoot out the other guys. Right. And uh, it was a night game. Um, gosh, I don't have my patch jacket in front of me right now, so I can't... I think the first one was Night Survival. And it was a down pilot kind of thing. And then we did... That was a big hit. We all had fun and... 
so people came out and played it, and so we did uh, The Longest Night, which was the second one. And then the more we talked about, it's like, well, what if we did, instead of just at night, what if we did an entire weekend? I wonder if people would come out for it. Right. We, we tossed that around, and so the uh, I think the first 24-hour role-playing paintball scenario game was The Hunt for Che Guevara. <laughs> and uh, uh, we had a number of people come out for it, and it kind of grew from there. People went, wow, you know, this is really neat. We started building on that, and the uh, the field was a team-run field, so the team got half the money, and uh, Doc Miley, who was an ex-team member, but he also did uh, competitive martial arts, and he blew his knee out to the point he really couldn't play anymore. Um, he was a psychiatrist. Hmm. And so the, the field as a business got half the funds, from these events, and the team got half the funds, and we'd use that to to upgrade some of the guys' markers or buy radios and things like that. And we kept doing more games, and then uh, there was some politics happened. The the team kind of split. The half of them were more into tournament, and just saw scenario as a way to raise money to play tournament and the other half kind of went uh, I don't know about the tournament thing this scenario is a lot more fun right right what we ask them is like the A team would prep the field and then they would play and the B team would run the game and the next time you'd trade out so everybody got to play every other game right and you know you'd ref one and play one and um, shortly before all of that happened I actually moved to Texas so I left, and uh, things kind of came to a head, and the team split, and the tournament team continued to run the field. And uh, so Wayne stepped out, and people were still wanting these games, and the, the tournament team ran a couple there, but they just they didn't draw, and they didn't have the depth because they weren't the quote-unquote scenario people. They were the tournament guys. Sure, so right. You know, they weren't as involved, it wasn't as in-depth, and it just didn't have the same appeal as the ones that, that Wayne and, and the rest of them were running. So, in order to give the people what they wanted, Wayne stepped out, and uh, he was the first one from the team to become a professional scenario director. And uh, I continued for a number of years to drive back from Texas out to the East Coast to play Scenario because that was the only place you could play it was on the East Coast. Wow. And uh, I, I'd take two people, I'd take 15 people. It's just, you know, whoever I could get together. And after a few years of doing that, people finding out about this whole other kind of paintball, I uh, took a field owner from out here. And we came back, and he said, you know, that's what paintball's supposed to be. We need to have those out here. <laughs> and he encouraged me to do one, and I didn't want to step on Wang's toes. So uh, I said, well, if you'll bring Wayne out here to do one, maybe we can do one before that kind of help prime the pump and, and see if we can build up a following so when Wayne comes out, there's enough people. Right. And uh, he said, yeah, I'd do that. So... We went out to another one of Wayne's games, and uh, he and I have gone out to dinner after his games for, I don't know, <laughs> forever, it seems like. And uh, so at dinner, I looked at him, and I said, Wayne, I said, I'm thinking about doing games out 
in the uh, in the Texas area and, and that half of the country. What what do you think about that? Right. And if he had given me a cockeyed look or, or seemed like he felt like I was stepping on his toes, I probably wouldn't be doing this. But right. he got a big smile on his face. He said, "I think that would be great." So we, uh, I did my first game out here. It was. Uh, I, I didn't really have a future in this in mind, so I wasn't really thinking about political correctness. So the first game was the Texas Revolution. <laughs> or actually, it was Texas Revolution 2, because there had already been a Texas Revolution. Right. And the theme was that the New World Order had had evolved, and, and everybody on the globe had joined this whole New World Order concept, but Texans being Texans, they said, well, you know what? We're happy with our guns and, and our way of life and, and and the way we have things here, so you guys just go ahead and do your New World Order thing and, and good luck with it. And we'll <laughs> just do our thing. And the New World Order wasn't going to stand for that, so they were coming to take Texas's guns, and Texas was saying no. Right. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I envisioned a decade and a half later that I was still going to be doing this. I probably wouldn't have picked that scene. <laughs> but, uh, we did it. It was fun. We, we had like 100 people. A lot of them were cops and things. But everybody walked away having had a good time. And uh, we brought, uh, I brought Wayne and uh, Diane Howe out from, uh, from Florida. And they played in it and had a good time because Wayne didn't get to play scenarios. He was he right. put on the only scenario, so he couldn't go play one. Right. So that was kind of a, a thank you to him. Is here's a chance to go play at a scenario game, and nice. he was uh, he was uh, some sort of UN character. I forget, but uh, <laughs> he came out. He had a good time. Good, good. And, well, uh, tell us about the Carrie. If you're, I can catch you off there for just a second, that has to stand out as one of your big moments in your transition from a, a player to a producer. And I'm sure there are parts of that game you still carry with you today when you're thinking about how to design the very next event. Uh, tell us about some of uh, those other types of things that stick in your head, things that you try to build into every game. What uh, what games stand out, or what parts of games stand out to you in your years of experience? Uh. I don't know. It, it's it's a constantly evolving thing. Um, you know, paintball is a constantly evolving thing, and scenario is 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 definitely an example of that. Uh, yeah, the game changes, the players change. Back in the day, the scenarios. If you had, you know, there's there's five pieces of this thing, and if you can get all five pieces of the thing and build the super weapon, then right. you can do this and. And people got into that. They got into the role-playing, and they'd make lots of fake props to try and trade for the real props, and you'd have to get those approved. And, and it was a very big role-playing aspect to it. And as the as scenario has evolved, um, I think there, there were so many games where, as far as shooting the paintballs and taking the real estate and getting your, your bread-and-butter missions done, they had gotten a lot of those and felt like they dominated, but two or three role players on each side made some deals that ultimately resulted in the other side getting the major prop and doing the big thing. And so the side who had been getting just shot up all weekend ended up winning. And I think it left a sour taste in the majority of the players sure. who had worked and spent money and done the missions. Right. 
and it just started phasing it out where for for a while a general rule was just shoot the role players and leave it up to mission. So now it's become a struggle to try to keep a role-playing aspect and, and be true to the whole there's a scenario and a story and things, but not let that overshadow the scoring so that the majority of the people who are out there shooting the paintballs and doing the missions are the ones that actually decide the victory. So right, right. the points victory may go this way, but the story also kind of went this way. You know, you're, you're kind of trying to juggle that and keep everybody happy and keep all the aspects in the game so it doesn't just become two-dimensional. Well, that's a, that's a huge challenge. It has to be something that you consider in every, in every game as it's playing out in real time. One of the things I've seen some producers do is, as that starts to happen, if someone's getting beat up or if, if it's definitely going... To the advantage of one side, they'll either change the structure of the game, or they'll change the point values that things are associated with. That it that kind of rubs me the wrong way. How do how do you deal with situations like that? I'm not saying that it shouldn't be done. I'm not saying that the people that do it are wrong, but I I don't do it that way. I I kind of decided a long time ago that I was going to let things play out because it especially as this business has gotten crowded and there's more and more events and more and more people that, that advertise their scenario producer and right. and all of the different games going on, it it's hard to be unique. So the niche that I've really tried to fill is I'm the accountable guy. Right. I'm the guy that, you know, if the score is 1,000 to 7,000, that's what I'm going to tell you at the end because that's what happened. Right. If I lost badly, I know I lost badly, so just treat me like an adult and say, well, you lost badly, <laughs> right. you'll make it up next time. It makes more sense to have that reflected in the score rather than, like you said, like trying to p- pad that and protect people from, from what they know the outcome was anyway. And and for most people, I think the, it's, it's more fun to know that what you achieved or didn't achieve is reflected in the final outcome, and, and not that many people care about wins and losses anyway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the most common one I've seen is the final battle is mysteriously worth enough points that if the guys that have been losing <laughs> win final battle, yes. they'll win the game. <laughs> right. But if you're going to do that, then why not just screw around on the field for 23 <laughs> hours and then we'll just keep scoring the last hour because that's what you're doing anyway. Or, or set up the whole day as a final battle. I mean, so what? Yeah, I just... <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's just not the way I do it. Fair enough. Well, and you, earlier you talked about having Wayne and Mother out to a game that you had produced very early on. So when the tables are turned, when you're playing a game that was produced by somebody else, are are you are you in it for fun, or are you busy thinking of all the ways that you might do this differently or better? It uh, it kind of depends on the momentum and the game. I mean, if it if it's a pretty decent game, it, it's easy to easier to go out there and, and just have a good time but of course you know just like if uh you know if i was a chef anytime i went to a restaurant and ordered something i i know things that i might have done different whether it be the presentation or how it was prepared or the right. ingredients yep. or whatever so it, it's hard not to go to a game and see that but uh all in all it's 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 part fun and, and part research because one of the great things is if I pull off all of my branded gear and just grab one of my plain Titmans and, and throw on a plain jersey 
and go out there. You can stand in a crowd and, and listen, and there really aren't a lot of businesses where you can do that. You can stand there, and when they say, man, they just did this, or this just happened, I hate that when it happens in a game. Why file that away and, and try to put that in the let's try to make sure this never happens at my games thing? Right, right. And when you go, man, I just went out, and this happened, and it was so cool when I make note of that, that, you know, if I'm doing that, I need to try and do that more. Yeah. You know I mean, if it's something completely unique to their games, uh, you know, the, a lot of the things that, that people look at that are just, a, in their minds, a common part of scenario, they're all things that came from Wayne or came from me or, or one of the, the early people developed that concept and integrated it into scenario. So, right. yeah. You know, a lot of that, that has gone on over the years. But, I mean, uh, you know, I, I try not to just plagiarize somebody's things. But in general things, you know, like if if uh, if there is an attack and the defend mission and the attackers didn't show up and the defenders just sat there. Right. And they come out and they say, man, I hate it when you go on these missions and the other guys aren't there. Well, you try to look for ways to solve that and... You know, I've got some other formats that were all inspired just by those kind of things. I've created a new format where those things didn't happen as much. Right, right, good. So that, that's what half of a half of playing a game is. But I, I love paintball. I mean, I've, that's the only hobby that I've been involved in continuously more than like two years. I've done racquetball and softball and RC cars and model trains and anything you can think of and got all the gear for it. And two years later, it'd be sitting in my closet. But this is the <laughs> first day I played paintball. I've played paintball every year, a few times a year for, you know, since the late eighties. Right. Well, with that long of a history, you must've found something in it both as a player. And then, and now recently as a producer, you must've found something in paintball that continues to drive you to play, to, to not just let it fade after a couple of years. What, what is that for you? Well, it, it, I think it's like I said before, it, it's such a dynamic sport. Um, I mean, part of it's been the arms race, part of it has been player outlook. Uh, you know, multiple things contribute to the fact that it's always changing. It's, you know, the paintball we play now isn't the paintball we played three years ago. And the paintball we played three years ago wasn't anything like we played five years ago. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, you can easily put that on the equipment, but it's it's more than that. It's it's the outlook and and uh, you know, it's just the fact that it constantly changes. It's it's challenging as a scenario producer to keep up with that and learn what the players are looking for now, and then try to adapt and try to meet those desires. And as a player, it's uh, you know, it's fun to to try and adapt to new playing styles and. Uh, and still be able to pull off the big moves. Nice, nice. Well, one of the things that uh, one of the ways that I got to know a little more about you, Viper, is that you started the Scenario Paintball group on Facebook, and you continue to to moderate that group. That's to me, that's been a great place for just conversation. You know, like we've like we've been having today, and and some of the things that uh, affect Scenario Paintballers has has. Being the moderator of that group and, and kind of keeping an eye on, on how that conversation goes and making sure people adhere to the rules, has that has that changed your opinion about paintball players at all? I wouldn't say so. Uh, I mean, obviously, 
you know, one of the reasons for starting that was because it's a good place to uh, to to look at, at current trends and 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 uh, you know assess players' outlooks and things, what they're looking for, what they don't like, right? Uh, what they get excited about, and uh, plus it's also it, it's a nice place to keep people in touch with where all of this came from because we've kind of we've grown so far so fast that a lot of these, I mean, I go to events and I'll mention Wayne Dalek at a scenario event and there's a lot of people who have no idea who Wayne Dalek is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, injustice is kind of a strong word, but it's sad that they don't realize that, you know, this one guy was the first guy to step out there and do it. And for years, all of the development and stuff, a lot of that was, was him, you know, coming up with ideas and, and developing scenario paintball as a concept. Right. Um, you know, where paintball came from, where it started. Uh, Bob Guernsey, uh, you know, people all know Tom K or Bud Orr are. And, and you know, those two spent a lot of money, a lot of time, helping to make sure the paintball didn't get stomped out by people who were afraid of it, didn't understand it, thought we were all a bunch of crazy militants practicing to take over the country. And, you know, all of those people, everybody that plays now owes those people at least some respect, if not gratitude. Definitely. So, you know, it's a good place to kind of bring up those things and, and drop those names and then listen to people say, well, who's that guy? And, <laughs> and then you watch the other people where I don't have to feel like I'm standing in a pulpit preaching. You know, other people will say, oh, this guy was, was this and he did this and he brought this around in paintball and developed this. And, and people are interested in it. It just keeps that alive. And I think that's, as much as anything, that was part of the goal. And it, it's worked really well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So... Um, earlier, Viper, you allude, alluded to uh, the fact that you know it, back then you called them guns, and, and, and you didn't have to refer to it as a marker. That was before the whole revolution of trying to make things palatable and, and politically correct for, for the for the average person. Um, kind of, I have a question for you, kind of similar to that, where sometimes there's a debate about whether scenario paintball should use military themes in their in their games and whether or not play, paintball players should reenact historic battles on the paintball field. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's kind of a sticky one. Um, I try not to, to dump on anybody else with what they're doing because I, you know, while I welcome criticism and criticism helps me to develop what I'm doing so that it better meets what the players are looking for, uh, you know, I, I try to, to just not stand and throw tomatoes. And I don't want people doing it at me. But if you are if you want my personal opinion on it, um, I think there are some things that just I haven't touched over the years because um, just with, with me looking in my heart of hearts, I didn't feel comfortable doing something like that. Right. Um, you know, hunting for, for Bin Laden after everything happened at 9-11. Right. Uh, you know, fresh things like that, I just, I, I don't think are, are a great one. Um, 
you know, things that have just happened too recently. I mean, the most recently that I've really done, uh, I've done Apocalypse Now, which is based on the Vietnam War, which we still have Vietnam veterans that are alive. Right. Uh, uh, actually, I've done uh, Operation Urgent Fury. So mm-hmm. I guess that would probably be the most recent. Uh, I can't recall what year that was off the top of my head. I think it was 81. That sounds right. When, uh, yeah, something like that. Operation Urgent Fury took place. Yep. But uh, the, the times that I've done anything like that, I'm always very careful to uh, to point out that that I have you know respect for the veterans that took part, and that we don't want to glorify anything about it, and we're we're not trying to, to cast anything on the on our you know enemy during that battle. This is simply something that happened in history, and uh, like when I did. Uh, Operation Urgent Fury, all the players on the player maps, there were also interesting facts about Urgent Fury. Oh, really? Uh, just to, to try and, and help make it not just everybody go out and play paintball, but if we're going to use something from history this recently, maybe while you're out there having fun this weekend, you'll learn something that right. you'll find interesting, and maybe you'll go back and look at the history of it and learn more about it. So... You know, it's not to say that 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 makes me some kind of you know hero history teacher for doing it, but <laughs> I, I try to do it in a respectful way. But other than that, most most of our military things have been further back or fictional. Right. Well, it makes sense to at least give people some sort of a, a frame of reference about what was going on in the world at the time, and you know, t- t- a tip of the hat, if you will, if nothing else, to to that that uh, that uh, actual military activity, whatever the case may be. I, I happened to look it up here real quick. Uh, Carrie, it's 1983 was Grenada, but yeah, you were, it was, I knew it was the early 80s. So um, yeah. tell us, uh, I know that from time to time we have uh, field owners and and other producers here on the show, and I, I always like to try to get a hint of uh, insight into your world as far as what you would suggest to people who are trying to, to build something similar to what you've done. Um, like you said, there there are plenty of scenario producers out there, and one of the one of the gradual progressions for people who are interested in scenario paintball is for them to try to do their own thing. And, and when they're thinking about that, what advice would you have for for people trying to start producing scenario games? Uh, the most important thing I think is, and I've said this for years. No matter how cool I think something is, if the players think it sucks, it sucks. <laughs> and you have to be able to accept that. Right. If you're going to come up with, oh, we're going to have them do this, and they're going to have to gather these things and then do this with them. And I've had a, uh, you know, I've had a couple of goose eggs uh, where I had a plan, I thought it was going to be cool, and it just didn't work out. I mean, nobody bats a thousand every time, but sure. I try to, uh, I try to. to keep a, a group of players that that I trust, that I know I can ask things, and then I'm going to turn around and tell everybody, hey, they're going to have this in this game. But, uh, you know, people that I can use as sounding boards where, hey, if I did this in a game, what do you think? Right. And, you know, a lot of times they'll come back with, well, you know, it, 
you may plan on them doing this, but what if they do this? Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. So you <laughs> tweak it a little bit. or You know, sometimes they say, no, I, I, I don't think that would be all that great because of this and this. And right. I'll step back and look at it and go, yeah, probably wouldn't work out. And so, you know, I, I end up taking a different route or just rejecting something altogether that initially I had thought was going to be pretty cool. But once you start really dissecting it, you find out it's not. Well, Carrie Viper Rosenberry, uh, give us your website. Yes, viperpaintball.com. Easy enough. So I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with us today. Your uh, your your reputation is uh, one of the best in the industry as far as producers that have you know a, a great following. People are are always enthusiastic to come to your games, and there's a good reason for that. I'm sure. I'm looking forward to to playing one of your events very soon. So I uh, appreciate you uh, spending the time with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for giving me a call. This is Eric Engler, and you're listening to Blast Radius Woods Ball Podcast. Anytime you want to contact us with feedback or show ideas, you have a few ways you can do that. Send an email to studio at brwp.net. Call the studio line 303-952-0274. You can also contact us on Twitter, Facebook, or Skype. Post up on our forum. You can get there from the website brwp.net. We're glad you've tuned into the show today. Since 2006, we are your independent paintball podcast resource. My name is Wayne, and on behalf of my co-host, Ben, thanks for clicking on Blast Radius Woods Ball Podcast. Play hard, play safe, and have fun. has this feeling everybody's there just to love on paintball. You've been listening to a Lucky Six Productions podcast.